Welcome back to the program. We look to technology today as the panacea to solve so many of our problems. Yet we fear technology when it goes wrong, like stealing our credit card information or not allowing us easy access to a government website. We get angry. Clearly, our emotional nexus with technology is out of balance with our intellectual understanding of it. The price we often pay for that is fear, alienation, confusion, and a degree of appropriate paranoia. Few understand these issues better than best-selling novelist Dr. Robin Cook. He's used this imbalance to scare the bejesus out of us in books like Coma, Cure, Fever, and Nano. Now, in his latest work, Cell, he once again walks us through the cost-benefit analysis of medical technology falling into the wrong hands. It is my pleasure to welcome Robin Cook back to this program to talk about his latest novel, Cell. Robin, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, for sure. Great to have you here. One of the things that we have seen, or I suppose haven't seen, with respect to all the technology we have available today, is we haven't seen in the medical arena the kind of creative destruction as a result of technology that we've seen in so many other areas. There is the sense that it is just beginning to happen and that we're about to see a whole lot of it. Talk a little about that, Robin. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, as evidence of that, we have, um, as I understand it right now, we have more than 50,000 medical apps uh, for the smartphone uh, so that it can monitor all sorts of various and sundry uh, data from your body in terms of your sleep cycle, how much you walk in a day, and uh, your blood pressure, even your EKG, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal what's already available. Um, and, um, but what hasn't happened is um, that it hasn't all been kind of put together in, a, in kind of a, a, an algorithm so that this can function as your best friend in your pocket. And, uh, and what happens in cell is that uh, the cell phone actually becomes an avatar physician. So you, you have your physician who's on your side, in your pocket, 24-7. Of course, we live in a world today, within a medical community today, where doctors and the medical establishment are even resistant to allow more work from nurse practitioners, much less from applications on our cell phone. So it, it creates a pretty difficult conflict coming down the road. Uh, again, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I'm sure that the medical profession, as an organization, is going to be against IDOC um, because they'll see it immediately for what it is. It's competition. And you, you mentioned the fact that uh, this problem with primary care and the medical profession has been against solving this primary care. Uh, to their... Um, uh, it's going to hurt the medical profession ultimately that they have been against solving this problem, and it's an and it's a problem that I've dealt with in my books before, um, because when I was in the military, it worked really well. I had a corpsman who worked with me. He saw ninety percent of the patients. I saw ten percent. But what he saw and he dealt with on a very regular basis, he knew the families very well, et cetera, et cetera, and they loved him and. And I saw the problem situations, which was consistent with my training. I always wondered why we couldn't have had a Corman system in general, or why has there been this resistance towards nurse practitioners? Nurse practitioners can be terrific. 
And yet there's always been this sort of uh, tendency to see them as, oh, well, you know, they don't, didn't go to medical school. Of course they didn't go to medical school. That's the whole idea. <laughs> and for the most part, you don't need that kind of, you don't have to go through specialty training in order to be a primary care physician. Um, and in fact, you shouldn't because it kind of influences the way you think. Suddenly, because of this convergence of these technologies, this the opportunity for your cell phone to become your primary care physician. It's coming like a tsunami. Whether the medical profession is not doesn't like it, whether the FDA is against it or whatever, I don't think it's going to matter. It's going to come and it's going to... It's, it's, in fact, it's happening now. It's, in fact, most of the medical profession just sort of dismisses the fact that most people today get their medical information, not from them, not from the medical profession, but from the social media and the Internet. And that's, that's already happening. And so what if then you arm the person going on the Internet and social media with the benefit of all their physiological data in real time? That's essentially what IDOC is in cell. As someone looking at this from a futuristic perspective, a medical perspective, from, from all of the various angles that you bring to bear, what do you see as the potential tipping point in this? What is it that's going to bring this to bear in a real way and move it from the tsunami that's coming to something that's really happened? Well, I think the need is going to be the first thing, and and also the desirability uh, in it. The people people want information and access. To them, that it's proven over and over that that's what's important to the general public. Um, you know, if you go and you realize that your doctor orders a test and you have this, you have to go and get your blood drawn and then they have to ship it off to some lab someplace and then it gets lost or whatever and finally they do it and finally they send it back and it's in the doctor's in basket and he forgets to look at it. I mean, you get this test and it might not be for 10 days that you find out what the value was and then sometimes the reason that you had the test is gone. <laughs> I mean, this is just one example, and this is an example of what the smartphone as a platform, particularly in terms of, of it acting as a primary care physician, it will be able to do those medical tests in seconds, right right in your hand. You don't have to go anyplace. You'll be able to do it right then and there, and combining that with your physiological data, um, you, the phone can be this fantastically powerful tool and uh, so that you don't have to waste your time trying to get the doctor on the phone. My goodness, is that hard sometimes. <laughs> Getting an appointment, you know, and there's all sorts of built-in ways, whether doctors have planned it or their people have planned it, that uh, make it almost impossible. Uh, you have to wait and whatever. And then if you do, you get in and you've got, you know, 11 minutes or something like that, whatever is the factor nowadays. Um, and this is the human touch? Oh, please. Um, now, with the cell phone, being the doctor, you can have a, you can have, you can talk to your doctor for an hour. And the doctor will continuously have information to talk to you about because they'll be getting your data all the time and be connected to uh, and get your genomic data. Um, I mean, that hasn't, 
No, it was like, I don't know how long ago, it was more than 10 years ago that uh, there was this great celebration in Clinton's office about the human genome mm-hmm. being conquered. And everybody was so excited because they thought it was really going to change medicine and, and hasn't seemed to have done anything. Yet, because of this confluence now, it's really going to have an effect. And, and especially, we, because, especially because now suddenly it's, so, it's, it's getting cheaper and cheaper. Um, but there's no way a regular practicing primary care doctor is going to really be able to deal with the issues of informatics associated with genomics, whereas that's perfect for a computer. That's absolutely perfect, and it can be done in seconds. And we see the pushback to that already with respect to something, for example, like the FDA's resistance to it's 23andMe. Yes. Well, the FDA is going to, uh, to say things like that. And, and it's kind of uh, echoing the medical uh, profession. The medical profession thinks that it wants to maintain control of your medical information. And, uh, and, it, and it can justify that to some degree. But um, in actuality, um, that's really kind of anti-competitiveness. And it's, it's not to the benefit of the patients. This is going to be a huge benefit. This is going to be a huge benefit. And that's why, in fact, tell you the truth, why I was presented with kind of a, an interesting problem when I decided I wanted to write Cell is because uh, I have found that I like mystery thrillers myself when I read them, I, and, and I, the general public likes them. They're very entertaining. They keep, you, keep your attention. And so uh, I realized here's a phenomena that I am so convinced has already started to, for this trans- transformation, I think is going to be a huge benefit. And, and how, do I, how can I write a mystery thriller about it to get people to understand exactly what's happening? And so I had to be very creative about how to figure out a mystery thriller with something that I think is going to be very positive in the end run. And, of course, part of the, the mystery, part of the thriller aspect goes to people's general paranoia about technology, the sense of who controls it, privacy, all the things that people inherently worry about and that in many cases are encouraged for them to worry about by the established interests. Right. Absolutely. I mean, look at, look at the medical industrial complex. Who do we have? We have the, all these stakeholders. We have the medical profession, hospitals, device makers, labs, and big pharma. And my gosh, they have been eating at the trough to our disadvantage for years and years and years. And suddenly, because of this kind of almost democratization of medicine, they're all going to be scrambling, some more than others, but uh, because they're going to be outmoded. Uh, take any one of them, like hospitals. I think with the cell phone platform, all those people that have to be in the hospital in order to be monitored, that can be happen at home. They can be monitored at home where it's safer, more comfortable, etc. So they're not going to go in the hospital just to be monitored. You're going to go in the hospital for necessary surgery, but boy, people aren't going to get away with doing surgery because it helps their bottom line. Not with your avatar eye doctor on your, in your hip pocket, because it's going to tell you, you know. Uh, it's going to give you an idea of, of how often that might happen. Take big pharma. 
with some of the most important drugs for them in terms of, of money. You know, in evidence-based medicine, it might mean only a 5% positive result. In other words, five people out of 100 get a positive result from a specific medication for a, a certain lab value or system um, symptom complex. What about the 95%? They get no positive effect, and in fact, they all get the side effects. Everybody gets a side effect. Those 95%, well, they shouldn't be taking that drug. Well, it's not until this avatar doctor comes along that can look at your genome because of, of uh, pharmacogenomics. They'll know if this specific you are part of that 5% or part of that 95%. If you're part of that 95%, no, you do not take that drug. Big Pharma is going to be is going to be horrified about that because <laughs> only the five percent are going to be your your avatar doctor will only give give it to you if you are going to be in that five percent so that there's a positive to justify the side effects. One so and if you take any one of those other stakeholders, they're all everybody's going to lose for this for this benefit except the patients. The patients and a whole new establishment that will grow up as a result of this. I mean, it will involve and create, arguably, a whole different class of doctor with a different education, a different focus, and really a whole new set of opportunities for those that really care about what the medical profession is set out to do. That's right. And that's, and you know, all of us, and I say that pretty confidently, all of us went to medical school for uh, reasons that were relatively altruistic. And what happened? You know, because we go through this medical training process, and a lot of people are kind of turned off uh, or turned away. Uh, and by the time they come out of the medical mill, um, they have lost a lot of this. Um, and interestingly enough, that was the, the subject of my first book way back when. Book number one was, you know, I don't think we train doctors right. I think mm -hmm. we train doctors in a way to that, that we lose that altruism, which is what we really count on for people to spend their time worrying and thinking about other people's well-being. Talk a little bit about the privacy issue, because that also goes to the heart of, of some of what you write about in the thriller aspect of Cell, and then the concern people have about who has and doesn't have all of this new compendium of information? That probably is the, the biggest. You know, people might say, well, it's also the loss of the, uh, of the human touch. But, uh, you know, with the way the medical system has evolved, I don't think there's a lot of human touch involved. Right. But the privacy issue is a real issue. And, uh, yes, um, if, if all this information exists, who's going to get it? I mean, there's lots of different ways, uh, and I talk about them in cell, uh, to protect this kind of stuff in terms of, uh, of, of the, your cell phone knowing it's you and not someone else who's accessing it. Um, and, and that can all be built in. But at the same time, if all this information does exist and uh, there is opportunity for people um, to, to hack into it, this has been a concern about medical devices, et cetera, um, and it's only going to get, in a certain sense, worse. Um, so I see that as, as probably the, the biggest problem. But interestingly enough, in Sal, what happens is, is 
is that when this algorithm is designed, that it's designed to do something a little, you know, to try to take into consideration, to try to digitalize certain issues that normally uh, are very difficult to digitalize, and that is like the aspect of pain and suffering. And yet, this is something that you really have to think about in medicine, or you should think about. I mean, I think most doctors should have to undergo an operation just to know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, but pain and suffering is a very significant thing. What, and, and it should be considered in some form or fashion. Up, up until now, it's generally, you know, I mean, it's acknowledged, but it's not really considered. Um, whereas, and if you try to build that in, in terms of your algorithm, um, and you try to make your algorithm such that it's going to learn over time, um, you can get outcomes that you don't expect. And, and that's what happens in cell. And um, uh, so I agree with you. There, there are certain problems and, and there are certain fears, and I, that is a fear of mine about the, the privacy issue and whatever. Um, but, you know, I... I am so convinced that this is going to be so good and that even though there are these problem issues, that this is going to happen. I've used, I think I use in the book uh, sort of the analogy of the tsunami. I mean, it's, it's coming. It's, it's like a, it's, nobody's going to be able to, to stop it. And the medical profession is probably going to make a, an attempt. Um, I think the FDA, in terms of reflecting the medical profession, will try to make an attempt, as you pointed out, with 23andMe, that kind of thing. But, you know, this is, these are, this is our body. This is our information. We should have it. We should have it. We shouldn't, it shouldn't be just for, for uh, a limited number of people, and they get it because they went to medical school or something like that. Yeah. The analogy here is that I like. Um, Eric Topol um, made the analogy of it being, this time is equivalent to when Gutenberg printed the Bible first. Suddenly, people had the Bible in their hands, and it sort of made the whole relationship. They weren't so quite so dependent upon the priestly caste. I think this is going to be the same thing now, is that um, by you having your data and, getting, and you having access to all this information, via your IDOC avatar doctor, suddenly um, the medical profession uh, is going to be put you know, in the back seat of this car, not in the front seat where they've been since Hippocrates. Does it provide the opportunity for foul play? In other words, the idea somebody hacks into a system now, they steal your credit card. Can you hack into one of these at some point and prescribe for somebody medication that's going to have a disastrous impact for them? as a way of engaging in foul play? Uh, you know, there's all different ways of thinking about it. I think one of the most disturbing things for me about cell is who is it that's doing this? It's a health insurance giant who sees this as a way to get around the um, Affordable Care Act stipulation that the health insurance company who are being empowered by the uh, ACAC is... Is has to pay out 80% of of its premiums in a, in healthcare in some form or fashion. That was the idea to kind of justify empowering a profit-making industry to take over American healthcare. Well, if they're behind it, as they are in in cell, in a certain sense, every time somebody talks to their doctor, 
in a in a 24-hour period, there might be a slight charge. The health insurance company can pay themselves. So part of that, that's how they can get away, and they'll be using a lot uh, in, in terms of accounting, is that that's premium that's being paid out for health care. They're paying themselves. I think it's very clever. And that's sort of why I had the health insurance company, Incel, being the one who is actually behind this. Uh, knowing that the medical profession certainly isn't going to be doing it. And um, so, to me, I, as a physician, I have never liked the health insurance industry. Um, it, it, it makes money by denying paying doctors. That's how it's made most of its money. and uh, Or making it so difficult that you give up. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, to me, you know, the big disappointment in Obamacare was a certain sense that, okay, we're just turning everything over to the health insurance industry. I thought there was going to be, uh, I was told there was going to be a public plan that might be small at first, but have an option uh, that this would be a, a, a public plan and, and not associated with the for-profit industry. Um, but uh, as you know, that, that that didn't happen. Dr. Robin Cook, his new thriller is Cell. It is just out from Putnam. Robin, always a pleasure. I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. <laughs> 